Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and today I have the beautiful Irie Love from Hawaii joining me today. So for those of you who don't know Irie, Irie Love was born and raised in Hawaii. She has spent most of her life as a full-time singer, touring, traveling, and living all over the world since 1999. She became a certified indoor cycling instructor in 2016, teaching at Ride Kailua, then moved to Portland, Oregon in November 2017 to work at Cycle Bar as an instructor, then to Seattle, Washington in November 2018, pursuing a full-time fitness career, now a certified personal trainer, youth mindfulness coach, 200-hour Rasa yoga teacher, and podcast host of the water podcast. Irie is still making music with her latest project that came out in the summer of 2021 and a new album she's working on currently. Another passion of Irie's is charity work. She has partnered, hosted events, and volunteered with many organizations I'm sure she's going to share with us. Fitness has always been a big part of her life. Growing up, she completed competed in canoe paddling, track and field, soccer, basketball, volleyball, and even powder puff football for elementary school all the way through her college years. Now combining her love of music, charity, and wellness to bring you empowering projects, events, and classes that will motivate you throughout your life's journey. Her mission is to empower and inspire the world through movement and music. Activate your utmost potential with Irie Love. Irie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Aloha. Aloha. (laughs) It's so great to have you. We met via this amazing synchronicity with my landlord, Christine. Aloha, Christine, who lives on Oahu. And I just flown into Oahu. We stop at a restaurant. She comes out and she goes, you're never going to believe this. I just ran into one of my students. I re-love. You were there with your beautiful grandmother. (laughs) So, so great to have that synchronicity. And then synchronicity continued to abound, you know, through the trip. And I ran into your friend Dee, who you're doing a collaboration with. And out of the blue, she goes, I'm doing this collaboration with Dee. Are you going to be in town for a concert coming up? It's sold out. But I'm sure, you know, we could find one for you somewhere. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend, but I thought that that was so cool how all of these synchronicities like lined up to yeah. like bring this collaboration together. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and share with us a little bit more about who you are and growing up in Hawaii and how you got your start in the music industry? Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Kailua. Um, it's a small town. It's definitely grown since I was growing up. Um, I grew up in a time just before cell phones. Uh, so as we all know, that was kind of like the pivotal moment for humanity where things have really shifted as far as, uh, just like the intersectional um, combining of different cultures and people with, you know, social media and geotagging. There's been a lot more people moving to Kailua, visiting Kailua. Um, So it's become a little bit different than what it was when I was growing up. But the magical part about my experience was what it cultivated in me was that organic uh, sense of connection and um, community. And so I feel that, you know, we choose to come in to these bodies when we do for specific reasons. And I believe that I chose Kailua at that time to get that last um, bit of essence of the beauty of being in a small community and, um, you know, riding bikes and just like being in nature and being present. So I try to carry that with me, uh, even now in the times that we live in with all the technology, which can be beautiful, but at the same time, there's definitely um, a shadow side to everything, right? So, um, you know, growing up, I was an athlete 
And I thought that that was going to be my life. I, my dad was in the NFL. I'm a six foot tall woman. So, you know, I was encouraged to be an athlete and I enjoyed athletics. I enjoyed the camaraderie and all of that. Um, and the physical, the physical part of it, but I ended up breaking my leg, um, a tiny fracture my junior year. And I kind of knew that it was something serious, but I tried to hide it because, you know, in American culture, we are pushed to go to college and get a degree. And that's how you find your path and you are successful in life, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And so following that guidance, um, that external guidance from others, I thought that I had to make this work. I had to be an athlete because that's what I had been doing so far. And growing up in Hawaii, we're very musical. Um, Kane Kapila is like a jam session. It's a part of our culture. We jam at every barbecue, every birthday party, every gathering. There's always someone with an ukulele. Um, it's just a beautiful part of our culture. And so I always sang. Um, my mom had me singing in church. I grew up in Christian church and she had me singing all the time for, for Jesus and, <laughs> and all of those things. And I was very respectful to my parents and I did what they said. And so I grew up singing, but I thought that I was going to be an athlete. And so when I broke my leg, my junior year, I was devastated. And I was basically told that I couldn't play anymore. And it was at that pivotal moment that I feel like my soul kind of had this mini awakening where I realized that maybe we can do more than one thing. Maybe we come in and have more than one gift, more than one talent. And that was my, um, pun intended, my pivot from basketball to music. I entered a talent competition encouraged by my friends, and it just snowballed from there. There was a local record producer who was one of the judges and you know, I was terrified because I never thought of singing in front of people and making it my life path. But, you know, like we were just saying in the intro, when the synchronicities and these little, like I call them breadcrumbs, these moments happen in our life that um, kind of show us that there is more and that there can be things in the unseen that we can kind of unearth by just stepping into um you know, those fearful moments, those times when we feel apprehensive or unsure is, from my experience, where so much magic can happen. And that's kind of been, that's like the catalyst of my journey. Um, I just turned 40 this year and I'm feeling more myself than I ever have. Uh, and I'm, you know, using all the things that I've gathered over the last 40 years, the music, the movement, wellness, um, just really becoming more of a holistic practitioner is kind of my mission to bring all the elements of everything that I'm passionate about and drawn to and creating tools that I can then use and share with others. That's beautiful, Irene. Thank you for sharing that. And your family, you have a family history, really, of weaving through community and community service and really helping out. You want to discuss that a little bit, that background? Um, yeah, I mean, my family, my family, we um, in Hawaii specifically, uh, my family came over in the 1800s and um, started many things. Um, my, my, my name, actually, Irie Love comes from my mom's side of the family. They were the Love family. And we started a bakery in Hawaii called Love's Bakery, which unfortunately just um, went out of business. I think oh. either last year or the year before, you know, the last three years are kind of fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, they really are. But um, yeah, and it's like, there's beautiful foundational things that my family was a part of um, in Hawaii uh, with Metal Gold, um, Love's Bakery, um, the Mid-Pacific Country Club, Punahou School, um, a lot of like foundational uh, businesses that are still in Hawaii today, other than Love's Bakery, that kind of uh, set a foundation for me to be a creator and to build legacy. And so um, I've kind of taken that from a, a less brick and mortar stance and more of like creating just like... Um, more programs and events and spaces, curating spaces. And I've been working with 
many and collaborating with many, many uh, groups and charities and um, the Manamele and the Manamali project has been a big part of my last, I would say 15, almost 20 years um, working with children and uh, bringing back indigenous practices both through like food and music and culture and history, teaching true history of Hawaii to the children of Hawaii. And um, not just to those who are of native blood of Hawaii, but just residents of Hawaii, because it's so important, no matter who you are, when you reside in a particular piece of this beautiful space, um, to have this land acknowledgement and know those who were the stewards of the land that came before you and what their practices were so that we can understand where we came from and then evolve from that foundation, that root. And so working with them has been so magical for me. I have had so many opportunities to work with children in different spaces, in different ways, not only incorporating music, but really about for me, empowering them to just find out who they are. Because I feel like when we as individuals can really have the tools to understand ourselves, then we expand as a collective. God, that's awesome that you're lifting up the youth and inspiring them. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. There's just nothing um, more fulfilling and more um, inspiring. And I'm just not from a cliche state of mind, but just really um, reminding myself of my own inner child, you know, and allowing me to hold space for her when I'm, you know, communing with children because they're in that energy still and we all still have that and I think it just becomes more and more dormant the more we get into you know all the elements of the matrix and and surviving and getting through all the red tape that there is around us and I'm just honored and grateful that I get to spend time with them and share with them because they also share and uplift me so much oh that's beautiful yeah I love how you said, you know, they teach you as well as you kind of supporting them and inspiring them at the same yeah. time. And it is so true. So often, like we leave school and we get into the daily grind and we forget about our passions and our purposes and end up coming back to them much later in life. But what a gift if we could nurture those when we're still young. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of the conversation that I've had, um, not only in my yoga training, but just in general, has been about unlearning and healing and deprogramming. And I feel like, okay, well, what is where did that start? You know, and how can we go back and and have it start in a different way so that we don't have to do so much healing and we don't have to do so much deprogramming by by programming ourselves with chosen programs and by doing micro healing as we go along rather than you know just accumulating all this trauma and all this pain and then we have like this huge suitcase to unpack when we become adults and having those tools i think is really is really the ultimate goal because you know I don't believe in avoiding trauma in a sense because I feel like you know where there is pain and pressure um, is where creation comes from mm -hmm. and so in order to have creation we do need that pressure and I'm not um, condoning any kind of um, harmfulness or or trauma that it's um, a good thing I'm not saying that but I'm saying that there is this beautiful thing that can come from those types of experiences where we can transmute them by having the tools to do so. Yeah. So wouldn't that be a beautiful world if as we're aging, we're being taught these tools to be able to manage our emotions, you know, yes. so we're not building up and building up and building up and then having that catalyst later in life that kind of propels us into healing. Right. right? right. <laughs> we had the emotional maturity around <sighs> us and then we were taught that, you know, how different would life be? Like yeah. in our twenties, it would look like what my life looks like now in my fifties or yours now that you're entering your forties. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's this beautiful movement that's happening amongst um, not only my own tribe and community, but I just see it trickling out all over um, this more conscious parenting that's happening. Um, 
I haven't chosen um, in this life to have physical children. Um, I never felt that calling. And it's put me in this beautiful position of being able to be um, a part of the tribe and to be the auntie and, um, you know, help and support all the women who are bringing these souls into this world and have this, you know, more objective or this more energy to really, um, to cultivate and to gather tools that I can share and uh, uplift and hold space for these women and these parents in general that are bringing in these children to have a more conscious journey and to be more self-aware as we go into it. And I think that probably the biggest takeaway that I've realized so far is it's really about expressing your humanity to your children because you're not gonna be perfect um, and what is perfect, right? Right. Um, and what is right and wrong and what does each child need? Like there's really no map or, or um, handbook to any of this, right? <laughs> so what can we do and what can we stand in? And it's in our humanity in expressing to our children that we do make mistakes and we don't know everything and um, that we're both still learning. And although I've been here longer than you, and so I've had more experiences where I have maybe more tools to know what to possibly expect or what the possibilities could be, not so much projecting this hierarchy of like, um, I think the big part of the healing is like, we put our parents on this pedestal. And then when we do realize they're human, by the time we realize that we're also adults, and so that's where that huge amount of accumulation of baggage comes from. Because if you just realize, oh, well, mommy's frustrated right now. And I reacted in a way that wasn't appropriate. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Um, or mommy needs some space right now. I'm angry and I don't want to react inappropriately. So give me space. And then we can come back. You know, things like yeah. that. Like it's it wasn't commonplace when I was growing up. Um, I don't know if it was for you, no. but it really has become um, commonplace now. And I, and it's so beautiful because I can already see children just seem to be more mature in a way. It's, it's so are. interesting to watch the dynamics shift. Yeah. I love how that shifted over the years. It really is an amazing thing to watch. And even like filtering through the school systems and everything. Right. And I'm sure you're seeing this in the volunteer work that you do with all of the different organizations. You want to talk about all the work that you've done with the different organizations around Hawaii and abroad? Yeah, yeah. I've, well, I've collaborated with Manamele and Manamali, which I mentioned. Um, we mostly do projects in Hawaii and the different islands, um, curating spaces for creating music and um, just also uplifting the children and also supporting them as they continue their journey in life. Um, mentorship is such a huge part of what I do and what they do. Um, I've also worked with the Boys and Girls Club several times over the years. Um, I also collaborate with just different schools. So um, working with Punahou and Marinol, these are all local Hawaii schools. Um, I've worked with some schools in California when I was living there. Um, I just recently went back to my alma mater, my um, high school Kalaheo, and they had me come and do a, like a musical performance for their back to school assembly. Um, they haven't all been together for assembly in two years for obvious reasons. And uh, we did it outside on the field and it was so magical. The energy went from zero to 10,000. And um, it was just so beautiful to like be able to curate this space of just kind of awakening the energy and the fire inside of them. And there was this massive release that I felt happening through the teachers, through the students, through myself and my musicians. I mean, we all, the three of us couldn't stop talking about it afterwards because it was just like the energy of just cracking open these dormant spirits, you know, that have kind of been in this cocoon for the last couple of years. Um, and to do that with music and at a place that, you know, had such a big part of cultivating who I am, uh, it was just, it was just so magical. I, whenever I perform, whether it's at a school with kids, adults, wherever it is, um, I'm finding more and more that 
I'm allowing myself to really be a channel. Um, I say a channel for the ancestors, the guides, you know, whatever you call them, these, these, these spirits or these energies that can really move through us if we, if we allow the space, right. With our free will. And it's been um, really magical for me to just kind of experience it as I'm doing it, as I'm, you know, it's like these, these, the ethereal body and my physical body and then my mind and my ego, like it's almost like a group of participation of like observing how um, when we just open ourselves to be used and our highest potential, uh, what can come through us. It's almost not surprising, but in a way it's kind of enlightening to just know that we are capable of so much more than just, you know, what we can do from like a very basic third dimensional space when we just like tap into spirit and just let it move through us. Um, and, and that's what I've been experiencing lately. And it's, um, I feel like I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface. And it's so funny to say that at this point in my life, being 40 years old and having sung since 1999, you know, there's just, I guess the testimony to this is just, there's always more if yeah. you're willing to be open to it. It doesn't matter where you are at your, at what point you are at in your life. There's always more to access. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful how you're tapping into that. And it's so often like we forget that as artists, if you're painting or singing or, you know, doing whatever your passion is, you are transmitting you know, through yes. your art, through your work, yes, people are getting that transmission from you. Absolutely. Yeah. I recently went to uh, the Monet exhibit um, that they had temporarily in Hawaii oh, with wow. my grandmother. And uh, it was really interesting. They put a lot of quotes from Monet uh, along with his art and just like really uh, expressing more of his story and it was really beautiful and touching and inspiring for me to see because a lot of what he went through, if you're not familiar, if the listeners aren't familiar with his story, um, he met a lot of resistance because he was very unorthodox with the way that he painted. And I find that, you know, we do that so much as humans where we just criticize and critique. And it's like, who are we to say how something is supposed to come through? There's so many variations. Otherwise, we wouldn't be different individuals in different bodies. We all look the same. We'd all do the same things. We'd sound the same. You know, there's a there's a reason that we're all different. Yeah. And the beauty in it was that he just like he was just like I don't care what you say, and I know that what I'm doing doesn't make sense most of the time. But I'm just working off of inspiration. And I mean, I'm not quoting him exactly, but this was mm -hmm. his message. You know, he was just like say what you want. I'm going to keep doing what I do and whoever loves it will love it, but I'm doing it because I love doing it. Mm. And that's it. And I'm like, how beautifully, what a beautiful expression of authenticity. Yeah. Right. And how often we can get swayed by public opinion to not be in our authenticity. Right. Oh, absolutely. And especially nowadays with so many platforms of people loving to critique us. Yes. Not just from an artistic <laughs> standpoint, but just as who you are. Um, we really have to build a new level of um, armor to protect our energy and to just really not care what others think. Because it, at the end of the day, I love that saying where people say, you know, what you think of me is none of my business. Like, exactly. Just let it through. Yes. Let it pass. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Let it go. I love that. Yeah. And um, speaking of inspiring and empowering your name, Irie. Yeah. Give us the history of that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My dad um, wanted to give me a name that he felt I mean, and this is from him, but I wasn't, I mean, I was there, but I don't remember. I don't recall this moment, but uh, my mom wanted to name me Jasmine. 
and which is a beautiful flower and I love the smell of jasmine and I have many friends who look similar to me that are named jasmine which is really interesting but um my dad was like no her name needs to be Irie and my mom was like what the heck is that what is Irie because at the time it had mainly been just used as a word which is to be at your optimum sensation of well-being to be in your highest conscious level of consciousness um, it's also associated with, you know, smoking marijuana and that high, that level of um, heightened consciousness. Um, you know, Bob Marley used to say it a lot in his concerts. Are you feeling iry? And it's in a lot of reggae music. So, yeah, my dad, for some reason, his guides or whomever told him her name needs to be iry. And then the love actually comes from my mom's side of the family. It was my middle name. I was iry Love Taylor. And then my stepfather who came into my life when I was four, um, Troy, who I am still very close with to this day, he was an amazing dad. Um, his name was Richards and you know, in school, you want everyone to have the same last name. So we changed my name again. So I was Irie Love Richards. And then I was married and I was Irie Love Godaya. Then I got divorced and I was like, you know what? I've been Irie Love all along. I'm just Irie Love. <laughs> I love that. So now I'm just Irie Love and it is beautiful and it feels so authentic to who I am. And I'm so grateful to have such a powerful name because it keeps me accountable. <laughs> it really does. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's jump into music. Yes. So share with us your collaborations, what you have worked on in the past and what you've got coming up. Yeah. Um, I, when I first started singing, uh, my inspirations were Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Stevie Wonder, Bob Marley, um, a Polynesian artist named Fiji. If you don't know who he is, you should look up his stuff. He's incredible. Um, he's kind of like a, an R&B soul singer, but in a Polynesian Island style, which is such a beautiful combination of sounds. Um, so I thought that I would do R&B reggae, um, just based off of my inspirations. Shaka Khan and Sade were also big inspirations of mine. They're also yummy. Yes, right? And so when I went to school in California, when I went to college, I studied music and business. And, you know, I took theory and voice and piano and, um, just started going to auditions in Hollywood, trying to get backup singing gigs or whatever I could get to sing um, first time off the island. And I ended up booking a bunch of background singing gigs. I sang for Shaka Khan for a little bit, um, for Pink, for Dave Hollister from Blackstreet. I don't know if people remember R&B, No Diggity, yeah. No Doubt, yeah, that group. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. And I learned so much being a backup singer and about how to treat others, uh, which was, I think, something that I chose because it was a really pivotal experience for me as far as when I'm hiring backup singers and what it feels like to be on that side of the music, how important it is to just in general, to treat everybody with loving kindness and compassion and patience there's just no reason to, there's no, not no reason, but there's no, um, there's no positive purpose in creating a, a sense of hierarchy. You can be a leader without making other people feel small. And I think that that's a true leader is someone who can uphold uh, some sort of authority or guidance or leadership without making other people feel small. So that's really important to me. Um, but yeah, I basically started singing reggae and reggae R&B as a collaborative genre. And I did that for like 20 years. I toured all over the world. Um, I lived in Jamaica, I lived in London, I lived in California and kind of just from those different places toured all over. Um, mainly as a signed to small labels here and there, but mainly as an independent artist. Cool. So it's been 
a struggle, a journey, if you will. Uh, and, you know, creating art is so interesting because it's your passion and it takes a lot of time and dedication. But a lot of the times there's not a lot of monetary reciprocation. And unfortunately, in the world that we live in currently, uh, you do need money to survive. And so um, finding that balance has been um, such, a, such an interesting uh, pr- amount of pressure, I would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to stay in that space, to stay motivated, right? To continue to create and be a creator and believe that and stay in the faith that this is what I'm supposed to be doing when there is that um, imbalance in the monetary reciprocation. And I have been so um, blessed by the community that I have around me, uh, my family, and continuing to support me, not only, you know, buying me food when I didn't have it or, you know, letting me crash on a couch, um, but just continuing to remind me that what I'm doing does serve a purpose and it is, um, you know, what I'm called to do because it's easy to lose sight of that, regardless of what you do. You know, when you're following something that's a passion and when you're creating in a space, uh, there's going to be, I mean, at least one, if not tons of moments where your faith dwindles and you lose sight of whether or not this is something you should continue. And so being able to, you know, ebb and flow with all of that has been really um, expansive for me. I took five years off of creating um, from 2017 until 2022. And um, it was just a time for me to focus on wellness and myself and healing, like we were talking about earlier. And um, I think that now I can look back and see that, you know, every step of it is necessary. And I think that if we choose to look at life in that way all the time, then we can find purpose in everything. And although some of it is, can be, you know, torturous at times, it can be um, devastating there is on the other side of that shadow, this beauty that we can find if we choose to look at it that way. And not to say that that's easy, not to say that I came to that quickly. (laughs) You know, it has been such a journey for me, but um, I choose now to walk in that way and to hold that energy of um, adjusting my lens, if you will, so that now I see constantly from that perspective of like, what is this teaching me? How am I going to grow from this? What is on the other side of moving through something like this, allowing myself to be in a space when it feels uncomfortable or painful and just kind of becoming more of the observer than really allowing it to consume me is what I've learned in these past five years. And so now stepping back into really full force being a creator, having a new team behind me, I feel like there are infinite possibilities with what we're gonna be creating and um, just sharing with the world. Gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's sit with that for a second. Yeah. Just let that settle in with the listeners because I think that that was really powerful Mm -hmm. what you just shared. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> sharing is so important. You know, just sharing, like I was saying with, with parenting, sharing our pain, sharing our struggles, sharing the essence of being, really and all the different colors of that spectrum. And mentorship in itself is sharing. Mentorship is a huge part of why I'm sitting here with you today, why I'm still in this body. There have been times that I really didn't want to be here anymore. And I'm so grateful that 
I was open enough to allow folks in to uphold me when I was in those low moments, right? Because there's nothing wrong with being in those low spaces. It's just, how do we get out? How do we move through? And when we can hear someone else's story, um, whether it's through music, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's in a book, it's on social media even, um, there are these little seeds of inspiration and of hope and of promise and of light, I would say, is the best word I can choose for that, that can just kind of reignite that spark that kind of, you know, becomes dormant in us. It never goes away. It's always there. But sometimes we need a little fuel to the fire again, right? To just remind us of how powerful we are and how powerful we can continue to become. And that to me is more than enough reason to just be authentically vulnerable as much as I possibly can, because I don't need anybody to see me as this all put together, you know, perfect, cultivated, strong, got it all figured out person, because yes, and I have pain and I struggle and I, you know, it's like all of it. I want you to to see all of it because that's where we can really connect. And connection is, it's everything. It really is. Yes. And the more vulnerable we are in life, the more open we are. You know, and we're actually pulling people towards us. Excuse yes. my dog barking in the background. <laughs> She's having so much fun right now. I love it. <laughs> With the ferry that's arrived and the passengers that are getting off. Yes. <laughs> the joys of living on an island. Right? Indeed. <laughs> Hearing the background noise. So sorry for the disruption. Uh, thank you for sharing yeah. that, Irene. I think that that's really important. And I love how it's you know, you're weaving your music and your yoga and all of your experiences that you've had and bringing it to so many people, you know, can you share a little bit about how this is impacting the new album that you're now working on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Again, just touching on, you know, those moments of doubt, as an artist and a singer, and especially in this extremely comparative world that we're living in now, you know, there, there are tons of moments where I'm like, am I good enough? Am I singing enough runs? Am I, are my melodies catchy? Are, is this music marketable? Like, you know, all those little voices come in. And what I root myself in and I anchor back into is just that it doesn't matter. You know, like Monet, it doesn't matter because if I'm not hitting the quote unquote right notes or the, you know, doing the most runs, if you're familiar with that reference, you know, when your voice is fluttering and, you know, there's the beautiful acrobatics that the voice as an instrument can do. Um, things that I admire in other singers, right? That I then I'm comparing myself to, I just am reminded that it doesn't matter because my voice is just um, a tool of frequency and vibration. And it can be one constant note that can crack open a seed that is dormant inside someone and, and, and ignite the fire that I was just speaking of. So to me, that's the most important thing. And so I'm just creating and, you know, and collaborating is a huge part of what I love to do because I feel like, you know, what better recipe than to have different spices in your meal. And so I love collaborating when I'm creating music. So this new music is all of that. It's about my authenticity. It's about inspiring, encouraging, and expressing of the wholeness of being and what it is to be alive in this time. I feel like we need a lot of encouragement right now. We need a lot of support. We need a lot of uh, light, if you will, light in information, light in um, joy. 
And, um, you know, I was talking to my friend Earl, who I did my water podcast with, um, and we had these beautiful conversations about just what the heck is going on and what is it to be, right? And, uh, you know, just being able to, to share these moments of trying to dissect what we're experiencing and understanding it from different perspectives because I heard this beautiful description of like how we see the world of how each lens has a little bit of distortion in it. Like if you think of a lens, which is glass made out of sand, right? And so sand is, let's say millions of grains of sand to make a lens of glass that we see the world through. And that is our individual perspectives. Mm. So everything that I say is through my own version of the distortion, if you will, and not distortion in a negative way, but just in the expression of the difference in the lens is the, the sand is a, are all grains of accumulations of my experiences that create how I see, view, experience the world, life. And so when we can share our perspectives and lean into resonance, right? What we feel in Hawaii, we say our na'au, what you feel in your gut um, is true, is your truth, yes. what resonates, right? Then we can find tribe, we can find understanding, we can find joy. And joy to me is one of the most important elements of our entire experience. And so I try to, I do my best to cre create and cultivate a space when I'm on stage, when I'm recording, when I'm, you know, just even in the creative, in the writing process, to have all those elements expressed, even if let's say the song, I have a song coming out on September 16th called All the Light. And I wrote it with Dee Kanma um, and she and I just really put all of our essence of joy and uh, light into this song. And, you know, it's, to me, it's really, more about inspired and maybe I think the closest expression we've seen in that is jazz music, how it's very like unconventional and unstructured uh, is kind of the way that I'm moving into my music now, where before it was like, you got to have the chorus and the verse and the, you know, the different parts and the, and the different things have to make sense. And this is how it goes. And I'm just like, well, who made those rules? And I don't really resonate with rules anyway, <laughs> like in general. So why am I following them? Especially when I'm creating art, there's no rules to art. You just do what you feel. And so that is really um, how I'm moving into this new music. And it's really exciting and also terrifying because Again, I have a manager and, you know, we're marketing things and, you know, all the blah, 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 blah. The business part of it is not my favorite part, but I understand that it's part of it. And so I'm learning to just integrate all of it and to have a an open attitude about all the different aspects, because ultimately I want the music to get to as many people as possible. Nice. Oh, I love that. And I love how you're integrating it all. And I love how you don't fit into the, a genre box, right? Totally. You've allowed yourself really to span, you know, all of the genres and share yeah. all the pieces of who you are. Absolutely. Because you come from this multicultural background. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I feel like, um, you know, that just goes back to the, the word authenticity. It's like, who am I? Am I expressed in this song? Am I expressed fully in this song? What other elements of myself can I add to this song to make it more me? So that when I go out and I have to perform it, you know, and 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 bring it to life, that it it's um it's effortless because it's just me. And I'm not trying to fit into a structure, fit into a genre. Um, you know, it's I have a funny story. Last year I did this festival that I just did recently in Tacoma called Reggae on the Way. 
which obviously it's reggae. People are expecting to hear reggae all weekend. Yeah. Um, there's so many different variations of that. Again, the lens of distortion, right? What is reggae to each individual artist, to each individual listener. But there was a guy in the audience. I kind of tested out some of my newer songs and um, some of them wouldn't necessarily be described as reggae at all. And he's right in the front and he's like, play reggae, play reggae. <laughs> like in the middle of dead silence, right? But I mean, it's like 20,000 people. So it's just mainly I can hear the people around him. Right. But I just decided to, you know, take it as this like beautiful, humorous moment where it's like, everyone's gonna want what they want. And he had a very specific sound that he was looking to experience. And I wasn't offering that to him at the time. And it's so funny when people become consumers of your art, how they have this feeling of like, you do what I tell you to do because mm. I'm consuming your creation. That expectation. Yeah. yeah. It's such a weird dynamic. I just feel like what has made humans feel like, we can tell each other how to express ourselves. And that's just on all levels, yeah. right? And I just, I don't subscribe to that perspective at all. I let people be who they are. And if I'm not feeling it, then I can, you know, unfollow, walk away, turn it off, listen to something else, wish them well. Like there's so many options. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, you were so close. I'm looking at Tacoma from my window. No way. <laughs> yeah. <Right> yes. <laughs> Next no time in turn, you have to let me know. Yeah. I'd love to actually host you over here on Vashon. I think everybody would love to, you know, hear your music and experience that would be magical. your transmission of Irie Love. Yes. I love that. My transmission of Irie Love. Yes. So good. <laughs> so how can people find you and, you know, where can they find you? What can they expect? Yeah. So um, September 16th, All the Light comes out. Awesome. Um, October, we'll be releasing another single. And then I believe, I think once a month, every, once every six weeks, however that works out, is the, the business way to release singles. Ah. And then in February, we'll release the whole project. So um, I'll be on all platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Amazon. What else is there? YouTube. Uh, this is Irie Love is my handle kind of just across the board. It's my website, my Instagram, my Twitter, my everything. Um, so that's an easy way to find all the things. I'm also on Bands in Town, which is an app that a lot of folks use to kind of track different bands in town. So like when I'm traveling and when I'm doing tours, you can find out if I'm going to be in your city, you can even set up alerts so that it'll tell you when I'm coming to your city. And um, so I'm going to be doing a lot more shows. Um, I'm going to be in the UK and um, Paris and Amsterdam in November. And then once the full project releases in February, we're going to have a whole I'll be touring most of 2023. So we'll be all over the world sharing with music with as many people as we possibly can. Um, and then also my wholeness, uh, holistic wellness events and projects that I'm offering. I do, I still teach yoga. I offer sound baths. Um, I do them in combination. I'm planning a retreat with a bunch of empowered females um, on Oahu in October. I'll be there um, curating and cultivating um, an offering that will probably be um, coming out in 2023 and then expanding from there. I really plan to kind of be able to do those things simultaneously, the music and also these like yoga and sound bath uh, offerings. Um, I teach private yoga classes, but I'm not actually teaching anywhere online or in any studios right now, just because I'm all over the place. So committing to something like that would be hard. Um, but I do, um, book them as they come in. If there's a group or uh, even just a person who really wants to have an experience, I love doing all of those things. Um, please charity children 
If you have anything with children, I want to participate. If at all possible, please reach out to me. This is irylove at gmail.com is my personal email address. Um, and yeah, those are all the ways and all the things. <laughs> That's awesome, Irie. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear and see all the things that you have coming up. They all sound fabulous, fabulous, amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you. Thank you for your yes. gift to the world. Yes. And is there any little pearl of wisdom that you would like our listeners to leave our listeners with today? Mm, I love pearls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, alchemizing fear, I think, is the most important part of our experience right now. Mm. If you have fear, in any space of your life that is controlling or even steering your decisions in any capacity. I just encourage you to find ways to alchemize, to transmute, to release, to surrender that because there's just no way that we can live to our fullest potential when we're operating from fear. Thank you. That's powerful. Surrender. Yeah. So true. Oh. So Gold. <laughs> Thank you so much, Irie. It's been such Absolutely. a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So good. So everybody. Grateful. Find Irie, listen to Irie, see what Irie is up to. <laughs> and her handles again at Irie Love Yoga and at this is Irie Love and this yes. is irielove.com and all the things. And your podcast, Water Podcast, W A T R Podcast. Yes. Check that out. And thank you everyone for listening again. This is Liz Peterson and this is Raise the Vibe with Liz. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Raise the Vibe with Liz. Thank you so much for listening and to remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Irie. Yes. Aloha. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.